Is there a connection between today's LDS Church and today's polygamy groups? Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. We frequently receive viewer response from LDS members who insist that we stop connecting the LDS with today's polygamists. They remind us that uh, the LDS stopped polygamy way back in 1890. By the way, they didn't stop back then, uh, but that's what they claim that they did and that today's polygamists are not Mormons and Mormons today are not polygamists. Of course, we always connected Mormonism with polygamy because Joseph Smith started it, and he is the revered prophet of them all, and Smith called polygamy an everlasting covenant. A couple of weeks ago, an email showed up in my inbox. In part, it said this, and I quote, I and my wife are born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and recently found your program on Roku TV. I want to say thanks for the work you're doing and pray that the Lord will bless your efforts. I am from a Mormon background. A few months ago, we found ex-Mormon files and began watching the shows. Through that program, we found What Love Is This? While growing up, I had heard that I had family members who were polygamous, but never looked into it and never really thought much about it. Because of these programs, I began doing some research on my family history. What I found has been shocking in some cases. On one side of my family, I found that my great-great-grandfather had three wives, although although the third wife, the sister of his second wife, divorced him shortly after they got married. None of my immediate family are polygamous, but several are devout Mormons. I know that I am not responsible for the sins of my forefathers, but having learned some of these details, I feel a connection with those trapped in modern-day polygamy. In my view, this is modern-day slavery. There are more details, but I'm trying to keep this letter brief. Cordially signed, Russell Johnson. And then he footnoted it with Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which, of course, where God uh, brought Adam and Eve together, and the two of them would become one flesh. Well, I was intrigued with this email, and so I got Mr. Johnson on the phone and talked with him for a while and invited him to be a guest on our show and to talk about these things, and he agreed. And so he's here for this show. I'd like to introduce and welcome as our special guest, Russell Johnson. Thank you, Russell, for for coming. And Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you for your email. <laughs> For the information. Uh, We're going to kind of expound on that information okay. uh, on, from your email during this show. And, and, you know, one of the most intriguing parts of your email was uh, that you made the connection and, and you, you willingly made the connection between Mormon polygamy and today's polygamy groups. Yes. And like I say, that doesn't happen very often. From I usually get criticized for making the connection and you actually willingly made it. Yeah. Well, I think in watching your program, I've heard you talk about how modern-day polygamists often will marry young girls, their relatives, uh, whether nieces or somebody close, some close relatives, 
And when I was doing my investigation in my family history, I found the same practices. Um, my great-great-grandfather Aaron Johnson had married at least four nieces that I know of. They wow. were daughters of his, uh, his brother Lorenzo Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, there's a fourth wife who was a daughter of another brother, William Johnson, I believe it was. Um, all of these girls were, they had the same mother. So mm -hmm. um, her name was Marianne Lyman. She had married William. William passed away at a young age, and then she remarried Lorenzo Johnson. Mm -hmm. And so Aaron, over the course of time, when he began practicing polygamy, married at least four of these girls that I know of. Of those girls. There's a fifth wife. Uh, she, was, she was actually Aaron's second wife, his first uh, polygamous wife. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been able to confirm it, but it, she may have been also a niece. I found some information that indicates she may have been, but I haven't convinced myself of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's interesting that you should bring that up because um, when I do bring up the fact there's so much incest in today's Mormon polygamy groups, uh, and I'll get responses from people who say, oh, well, early Mormon polygamy wasn't like that. It wasn't that awful, and, 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 and it was. Yeah. It, it was just as much as, you know, the, the tra apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Um, so, and we're going to talk more about your uh, your ancestors and how you bring that all together as well. But let's go back to to you to you right now. You okay. are you were a member of the LDS Church. Were you born and yes. raised uh, no, LDS? No, I was I was raised in Moab, Utah. Um, my parents were LDS, but they were never very active. Uh, so growing up. I, over the years, I was kind of in and out of the LDS church. Uh, my earliest remembrance of the LDS church, we had a family friend who would come and pick me up on Sundays and take me to church with her. Um, but after a few years, I asked, asked my parents if I could quit going. Mm -hmm. um, later on, I had a friend in middle school uh, who was LDS, and we would, I remember going to primary with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I went off to college, <clears throat> excuse me, when I went to college, uh, I became good friends with a young man from Nevada, um, my freshman year in college. And that spring, he asked me if I would be interested in going through the discussions. Mm -hmm. And I agreed to do that. Mm -hmm. um, he wound up baptizing me before the school year was over. Uh, that summer, he was leaving on his LDS mission, and so I drove to Nevada and went to his going away. And for the next about two years, I was trying to be as active as I could, as mm -hmm. I knew how. So you didn't really become a member until you were an adult. Yeah. And you weren't baptized when you were eight years old because your parents weren't... Were your right. parents generational Mormons? Had they come from a Mormon background themselves? There must yes. have been from either one or the other because of your great-great-grandparents. Yes. Uh, my, on my dad's side of the family, uh, I think most of my aunts and uncles were active LDS. Mm -hmm. uh, I never really talked to my dad, so I'm not sure. I mean, I talked to him, just not about that. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure why he was not that active. And on my mom's side of the family, um, 
my aunts and uncles and my mother were not at, that active. Uh, mm. Going back to previous generations, my great-great-grandfather on that side of the family was also, he practiced polygamy, mm -hmm. as the letter said. Um, so I'm not sure why, what happened, what happened that, along that the way there. cooled down from that. Yeah. Um, what about your marriage? You, you, well, let's go back to when you became a Mormon. How long were you an active Mormon after you got, were baptized? Um, I would say it was probably about two years that I was active. And I just, there was, I had some questions kind of come up, uh, a couple of incidents. Uh, it was the, it would have been the second summer after I was baptized. I went home for the summer uh, from school and was working. And one of my high school coaches approached me and said, oh, I hear you're going on a mission. And I hadn't talked to anybody about that oh, at my. that point. So that, huh. that really bothered me that this rumor was going around. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but I kind of said, okay, that's, that's the way people are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then later that summer, my bishop called me in and just asked me if I had thought about going on a mission. And uh, I said, I told him that I hadn't particularly thought about it, but I didn't really feel worthy. I just felt like I wasn't living up to the standards that I should yeah. be. Um, I had also another question along the way that came up in my mind was, um, I really enjoyed science classes. So in college, I had a genetics class. And of course, in most schools, biology, science and stuff, they talk about evolution and how old the earth is. Well, my genetics instructor was, I knew he was a Mormon bishop. So I asked him, how do you reconcile all the teachings of, of evolution with the seven days of creation? And he gave me an answer about how he felt like God had directed evolution or something like that, which mm -hmm. I didn't find very mm -hmm. satisfying. So mm -hmm. anyways, after about two years, I just I basically started drifting away from the church. I so didn't, you really, really were not that zealous for Mormonism after you were baptized into it? Not really. I was, it was all I ever really knew of when I thought of church, I thought of the LDS church yeah. and that lifestyle. While but, you were while you were the two years, you know, pretty active in it, did you take any classes of about Mormon history? Did you have questions, or were you taught anything about the celestial glory and and you had to be a polygamist uh, or talking about Joseph Smith's polygamy? Did you learn any of that during those two um, years? I don't know that I learned any of that through the church itself. I was aware of. Uh, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young's their practice of polygamy. Mm -hmm. um, I was aware of of that at the time. It was considered re a requirement mm -hmm. for exaltation. Um, Did you ever wonder why the exaltation requirements would change from then till now? And now? Uh, at that time, I didn't really consider it. I didn't think that deeply about it. I guess yeah. my. In reality, my spiritual journey, I guess, at that time was, I was just kind of drifting along. And yeah. I think because the LDS church was all I really knew, yeah. and that's where I felt like yeah. I should go. Yeah, exactly. I understand that. Um, so you didn't learn then that if you went to the celestial glory, in order to go to the celestial glory, you would be required to live polygamy. 
Um, you didn't learn that either then, huh? I don't know that I learned that. Um, I don't know that I learned that at that time. It I know later on I became aware of that. Uh, uh, so you kind of drifted away. Uh, tell us, so when you got married, did you find a Mormon woman to marry or not? No. Uh, my wife and I were living in the same apartment complex, and we just, through running into each other around the complex, we got to know each other and got married. We were, at the time, attending a very liberal Christian church. Uh, their view of the Bible was that um, they used the Bible, but they taught us that it had mistakes in it. <laughs> Well, that sounds, would be music to a Mormon's ears. It sounds it? familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. So we went there for a while. Um, and my wife will tell you that she thought I was a born-again Christian, but I, neither of us were really that spiritually mature. Mm -hmm. um, but she, got, she was invited by some friends to go to a Christian church, a, a Bible-believing Bible teaching Christian church, mm -hmm. and she started to really grow. Um, she finally convinced me to go to church with her. I kind of resisted for a while. And as I went to, to Calvary Chapel, I kept hearing them teach from the Bible verse by verse. Yeah. And I was hearing a lot of the same words that I heard in the LDS church. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm hearing the same words, but there's something different. Yeah, there's something yeah. Different did, you, did you notice the difference was the definition? Yeah. Yeah? I, it took me a while to kind of catch on to what that difference was, but there's the difference in how they define the words. Mm -hmm. There was a difference in just the, the spirit of the people, the way they interacted with each other. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, one's under grace, the other one's under works, and of course that that makes a huge difference in that. So yeah. uh, when you were drifting away and started going to the the, the uh, Christian church and dating a non-Mormon woman, did, did, did were they after you to come back? Did they pressure you to return, or was there just kind of let you go? They pretty well let me go. I can't say that anybody came and was calling me back to the LDS hmm. church. Were but you still in, living in Moab? Or? No, at this time we were, I was in Nevada. Hmm. Okay. Um, but in the back of my mind, I still felt like I had this connection to the LDS church because sure. I still didn't understand the full difference between the between the Christian teaching and mm -hmm. the LDS teaching. Mm -hmm. And unless you really get into it, it's difficult to, the way they, because they've aligned themselves so close to the words, the wording, and, and but they have such a different application to it. When mm -hmm. you were um, active during those couple of years, do, do you remember being taught that you would become a god? Um, I Vaguely, I remember hearing that. Again, it was something I was, I guess I was aware of, but I didn't, Give it a whole lot of thought. It wasn't any big deal to you. Was there anything uh, that was a big deal to you? <laughs> not really. I was, like I say, my spiritual journey for a long time, I just kind of drifted Kind of there. And... Yeah, I get that. Okay. Um, did you realize, or when, I should say, when did you realize, or, or even have you realized to this point, that, that the Mormon doctrine and the polygamous doctrine are exactly the same? They believe in the, the same prophets and the same books and the same doctrine, the only difference being that the, the Mormons let go of polygamy and the polygamists keep, uh, keep 
you know, what Joseph Smith taught, the orthodoxy of it. Did you know uh, they were that closely connected? Um, I had heard, I think when I was growing up, I had heard that some of the, like the FLDS and some of those groups uh, had branched off from the LDS church and that their teachings were very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really look into it or didn't know much about it until I started watching your program mm, okay. and learned more about it. I think it's interesting because uh, um, a Mormon missionary wrote, I read his story on the internet, and he said that he, he always thought they were the apostates. Um, the polygamists were the apostates. He said, and I, when he was on his mission, he would visit some polygamist homes and try to convert them into Mormonism. And mm -hmm. he said, I never realized until I started talking with them that they know more about Mormonism than I did. They oh. knew the Mormon scriptures better than I did. And he <laughs> said, I didn't even know they believed in the same <laughs> scriptures. Okay. So that's why I asked you that question, if you were even aware of that. Yeah. Did you ever have a testimony of Joseph Smith? Um, I think, I remember standing up in sacrament meeting one time and bearing my testimony, uh, but I think as much as anything, it was more of a cultural mm -hmm. influence. I was doing it because it was kind of expected that everybody does That's that. That's what you and, do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, too. Again, that reminds me, um, several years ago, my nephew and I, he invited me to come and, and speak with an, uh, one of his friends who was a returned Mormon missionary. Uh -huh. And um, we were talking to him about the Bible and, and some of the things we had learned about Mormonism and the Bible and polygamy. And, and the, 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 his friend was getting frustrated because he couldn't convert either one of us, you know, and he was getting kind of frustrated. And so he said, why don't you just throw out the Bible and read the Book of Mormon and then pray about it, and God will tell you it's true and he'll give you the burning in the bosom. And my nephew turned around and said, I was born and raised in the polygamy group and I read the Book of Mormon and I got a burning in the bosom then that the polygamy group was true. Which burning in the bosom is true? Yeah. And you know that that was you know, and, a, a good question. And I would say when I finished the discussions with the missionaries, um, I also had that burning in the bosom. Um, but as I read the Bible now, I, that, I feel like your heart can deceive you. Truth, yeah, exactly. In fact, <laughs> Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitfully uh, wicked and beyond cure. So the yeah. the it can't both they can both be wrong, but they can't both be right. right. That, that is true. So you when you left, you didn't give up on God altogether, which is wonderful. No. Yeah, and you and your wife are pursuing um, a different uh, path to God. Which when did you start getting uh, really excited about your Christian life, about becoming a Christian? Um. I would say, <clears throat> and starting in about 1998, uh, my wife and I were actually struggling in our marriage. Um, and that's when she was going to the other church with her friends. And when I finally started going to church with her at Calvary Chapel, um, I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart, said, mm. just read, read my word, read the Bible, yeah. and I will show you the difference. And so over the course of the next year, um, I read the Bible. I would come home from work each night and spend upwards of an hour reading the Bible. Mm. And on November 24th, 1999, I asked the Lord to be my Lord wow. and Savior. And God. ever since then, it's just been a uh, a closer walk with Him. Yeah. I've grown closer it, it, to Him. It becomes a real adventure. It becomes 
a joy and it's not yes. the, the boring thing that well let's talk a little bit more about your parent or your your back into your heritage your great 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 grandparents okay. um you aaron johnson was one that you brought up and then you brought up another one i could i couldn't find the information very much information on your other one but aaron johnson i found quite a bit of information and you have yeah. some too that you want to share uh, of who he was a close friend of joseph smith yeah um, from what I've read, he, he was a justice of the peace in Nauvoo at the time that uh, Joseph and Hiram were arrested. Um, he took several statements from people related to the whole, uh, was it William Law, I believe, the mm -hmm. newspaper and mm -hmm. the statements that he was making. And, um, and I've read some statements that Aaron actually accompanied uh, Joseph and Hiram when they were taken to jail. Um, so they seem to have been on a fairly close, in a close relationship, friendship. Didn't he have the boat? Didn't he row them yeah. across the river to, when he was trying that. to escape? When Hiram and Joseph were going to escape Nauvoo and go to the Rocky Mountains, um, they used a boat to row across the river, that, and the boat was owned by Aaron Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess somebody they were later convinced that they should return to Nauvoo and <laughs> yeah yeah which of course they did um so he had tw a total of 12 wives I think mm -hmm. you said yeah he had 12 wives um he didn't actually take he was I'm trying to remember his first wife I think he married her in about 18 in the late 1820s uh he didn't take his second wife until 19 or 1844. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, it was December of 1844. So that would after, have been after Joseph Smith had died. Yeah. He was killed. Uh, and then following that, he married another wife off you know, over a period of several years until 1857. Uh, the first wife, uh, she actually died as they were crossing the plains uh -huh. from Nauvoo to Salt Lake. Um, also, his oldest son, I believe, he died. There was a it was cholera, I believe, that had oh, cholera they had epidemic a lot of the outbreaks, and uh, so they both died. So he came west. Did he come west with the Brigham Young's um, first trip, or was it later? It was, or do you know? It was later. He came in 1850. Uh, he actually led a wagon train across the plains. Um, wow! It was over a hundred wagons. Wow! And he, he led them, huh? Um, there was one one quote from I think it was um, D. Michael Quinn's book Mormon's Origins of Power where he said that Aaron Johnson was highly trusted by Brigham Young he watched over his wives did you, did you know anything about oh, that? I didn't know and, that and I don't know why he would need to have <laughs> his wives watched over yeah. you know what that was all about it, he didn't give any detail okay no I was not <laughs> aware of that I'm, I'm still learning a lot of this stuff I just a few months ago, started looking into this. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so how many how many kids did he have? Twelve wives. How many had children? Twelve wives. Um, Fifty-seven wow. children. Fifty-seven kids. And he, his first grandchild was born in I believe it was eighteen eighteen twenty eight. Does that sound right? Anyway, I did the math or kind of checked the dates. No, his first grandchild was only four years younger than his second wife. 
when he married her. You know what? That is so not unusual. Uh, when you said you made the connection, that is so true in a lot of today's polygamy groups, uh, where, where sometimes they will even be um, younger. Yeah. The wives will even be younger than their oldest child or oldest mm. grandchild. That happens. Yeah. So how did that make you feel when you found out that was your heritage? It, it was kind of kind of an extra. As I looked into this, I there's I kind of feel almost like a sense of I'm betraying my family heritage. <laughs> but but then as I read in, into these details, I just feel like if this was happening today, these people would be going to jail. And you would hope. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is happening today, and That's some of them are going to jail. That's true. Um, if it was happening out in the open, as openly, I guess, yeah. I feel like these people would go to jail. But. And, and your grandfather, um, Aaron Johnson, he's the one that founded Springville, settled it? That's what I've read. He, uh, When he arrived in Salt Lake in 1850, uh, Brigham Young asked him to lead a smaller group on into Utah Valley, and they settled in the area of Hobble Creek, which later became Springville. Mm -hmm. um, he was the first bishop, the first postmaster, and he held several positions of authority uh, at, throughout that time. And several of his wives were quite young, weren't they? Yes, they were. Um, if I can look here at my notes, um, there was... And several of them, I would say most of them were less than 18 when he married them. Um, I think you mentioned a 14-year-old. Yeah, there were two. Two of them were 14 years old. Uh, two were 15 years old. Uh, one was 16 years old and one was 17. Wow. Sounds like Joseph Smith. And how old was he when he was taking these wives? Um, so, Aaron was, when he took his second wife, he was 38 years old. Uh, his wife, his second wife was 20 when he married her. Mm -hmm. um, wife number four was 14 and he was 39. Uh, going on in 1857, he married three girls on the same day. Isn't that sweet? He was 50 years old at the time. Mm. Uh, the one girl was 14, and one girl was 15. That was my great-great-grandmother. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other was, it looks, she was 19. 19. Well, at least she was a better age. <laughs> Well, we're getting, we're getting short on time right now. Um, I want to thank you for coming and sharing. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting things in all of our backgrounds if we'd get back in there. You yeah. know, it's not betraying, certainly, our ancestors by doing it, but it just bring it to light. Yeah. And I'm so grateful you made the connection between your, your history and today's polygamists and today's Mormonism because so many people don't. They get so angry at us yeah. uh, for making that connection. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I really appreciate you. your time. And we are out of time now, oh, so yeah. uh, we appreciate what you've shared with us. You know, whenever we put our trust in human reasoning and human religion, we will be led astray. Mormon and polygamous leaders assure members that they can always trust them because they will never lead them astray. If that's true, why has Mormonism changed so drastically since Joseph Smith? And why are there so many 
many different polygamy groups, each claiming they are God's true church. You know, these religious groups have all led members astray. They can't all be wrong. Uh, they can't. They can all be wrong, but they cannot all be right. The only person who cannot be wrong, of course, is Jesus Christ. And whether or not his name is on your church isn't the point. The question is, is Jesus residing in your heart? Colossians 1.27 tells us our only hope of glory is if you can answer yes to that question, not if you have a testimony of Joseph Smith. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.